Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. This morning I want to begin a uh, what will probably be a three-part series that I believe deals with the most important topic known to mankind. That's a pretty bold statement, don't you think? Who's already glad you came? All right. And it, 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 we're going to talk about the most important word known to man. Does anybody want to venture or guess what you think the most important word known to mankind is? Forgiveness. You're right. Forgiveness. You know, if you, if you stop and think about it, our entire existence, our entire future, our eternity depends on this one word, forgiveness. Matthew 6.15 says this, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, that's, that, it, you know, every verse in the Bible is important, but I'm telling you right now, this one jumps out and it gr- should grab you. Our eternal life in heaven depends on one thing, right? It depends on God's forgiveness of our sins. But God's forgiveness of our sins also depends on one thing, and that is our forgiveness to others. How many of you believe the Lord is coming back soon? I tell you, I believe that also. That's why in these next few months, you're probably going to probably be hearing a lot of sermons dealing with uh, making sure that we are all ready for his return, because I believe it's right around the corner. And I am going to be held responsible for that message. So you're going to be hearing them. Now, you might think that you've got a lot of pressing and important issues going on in your life right now, but as your pastor, I I have to tell you that all of the issues, no matter how how important they may seem to you right now, they all pale in comparison to making sure that you're ready for the Lord's return. They pale in comparison. Now, having said that, let me say this. I think that one of the biggest reasons that some people will miss heaven is going to be due to their lack of forgiveness. It says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the importance of forgiveness in our lives. This morning, we're going to take a look at a very famous story that Jesus told. Most of you know it as the story of the prodigal's son. This one story is considered by many theologians to be the greatest short story ever told because it exemplifies God's love for each and every one of us. I'm going to read it to you this morning. It begins, not a, it is a very short story, but man, is it captivating. It begins in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and it begins like this. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. 
He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food, have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired hand. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he has found. So let the party begin. Wow. You see in this story that the father and everyone else is thrilled that this son is returning home. Almost everyone. The second son wasn't crazy about it. And I got to tell you, that fatted calf absolutely hated seeing that kid come home. <laughs> Those were the only two. But today, this series is entitled, The Power of Forgiveness. We're talking about, this morning, God's ultimate forgiveness in our life. Without this ultimate forgiveness that God gives to uh, each of us that ask for it, it would be impossible for us to forgive ourselves and impossible for us to extend forgiveness to others. We wouldn't be able to live in what we could call the freedom of God's forgiveness. So the main word we're looking at over the next few weeks is this word, forgiveness. Forgiveness is a word that is oftentimes misunderstood, mismanaged, and it is certainly malpracticed at times. People don't want to, people, a lot of people hate to admit that they need forgiveness. It's rare that they seek and ask forgiveness, and more often than not, people resist offering forgiveness. I mean, let's face it, if we have to forgive someone, that means they've done something to us that was wrong, right? Makes it tough to offer it sometimes. And yet the truth is that forgiveness is, is a universal need among all of us. The resurrection of Jesus was the ultimate conclusion to God's plan of forgiveness to us. To forgive us completely and to just wipe our slates clean, so to speak. Without forgiveness, there would be no hope of a relationship with God. And along with that, forgiveness contains this incredible power in our life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to each of us when we just seek forgiveness and when we offer forgiveness. Finding God's forgiveness is the key to finding power for living, especially in this world that we are in today. And it's the key, of course, to eternal life. So over the next few weeks, we're going to explore three different levels of forgiveness. 
And I'm, I'm going to give you just a brief commercial here of what's coming up over the next few weeks. This morning, we're talking about God's ultimate forgiveness in our life. Next week, we're going to talk about the second level of forgiveness. And you might consider this a, a basic level of forgiveness. It's forgiving ourselves. Some people have a real problem in this area. They carry around a lot of baggage over things in their past, and they, they have a tough time learning to forgive themselves. We'll talk about that next week. Now, some people also take that to an extreme. And I mean, they can do almost every horrible thing on earth and immediately forgive themselves. We're, we're going to cover the whole thing. And then we're going to look at that third level of forgiveness, which is oftentimes the most difficult. And that deals with us offering forgiveness to others. And it's difficult because I said, if we, if we in fact have to forgive someone, it means they've done something wrong to us or we wouldn't be having to forgive them, right? That's where it starts to get a little tough, huh? Some people think that that is the ultimate forgiveness because it's so hard sometimes to forgive others. But in fact, today we're looking at ultimate forgiveness, God's forgiveness in our life. So this is the forgiveness, ultimate forgiveness. That's the forgiveness that you and I, we receive from God. And the difference is this. Level two and level three of forgiveness, that's forgiveness that we are offering. We offer it to ourselves, we offer it to others, but the ultimate level of forgiveness is that this level at which we are on the receiving end. The main reason it's so hard to forgive others or forgive ourselves is because first, we must have experienced God's forgiveness to us. If we don't experience God's forgiveness, we'll never understand or, or, or feel complete freedom in our life that we have when we're able to forgive others and forgive ourselves. When we experience forgiveness from God, that is the highest level of forgiveness possible. And it's the only thing that's ever going to allow us to be able to offer forgiveness to someone else. So today we start right there at the top and we're going to explore God's ultimate forgiveness and we're going to use this great, greatest of all short stories, the story of the prodigal son to kind of help us navigate through it. So the story begins with this snot-nosed kid saying to his dad, he says, look, old man, I don't feel like waiting around for you to kick the bucket. I'm putting this in a modern vernacular. He said, I'd like, here's what I want. I've thought about this a lot, and I would like for you to give me what I got coming right now. And all of you that have been at CT for any amount of time, you know, you've heard me say many times, that is the dumbest request you can ever make. Dumbest thing you can ever ask of someone, and especially the dumbest prayer you can ever offer up to God. Lord, just give me what I've got coming. Don't pray that prayer, okay? I'm just telling you right now. But the father gives the kid what he's asking for. And how many of you in your life, you've begged and pleaded with God for something and begged and pleaded, and finally he gave it to you, probably just to teach you what a dumb thing it was you were asking for. I've got all kinds of stories I could share on that one. But I want us to be out of here in three hours, so I'm not going to share all those stories this morning. 
So the father gives the kid what he's asking for. The kid packs up. He heads out of town with a pocket full of cash to live the high life. Wine, women, and song. Most likely with heavy emphasis on the wine and the women. Now, in just a minute, we we get to see what happens to this young man. But before that, let me preface this with, with just a few words. This story of the prodigal son, it really does a great job of describing people who decide to turn their back on God, to sin against God, but ultimately return to what is best for them. And in this story, what is best, I believe, is illustrated with this word home. Keep that in mind as we go through this. This story shows our ultimate need to find God's forgiveness because all of us have sinned, right? Anybody here, you've never sinned? If you haven't, you can come up here and finish this morning. We're all in this same boat. We were all born into sin. But in this story, this son, he makes a conscious decision to return home. Whenever any of us make a decision to return to God, God lays out this very clear path of how we're supposed to do that. And the path is always through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, maybe today, maybe your life is in a bit of a mess. And I'm asking you to consider this morning the promise that God has for a better life for you. And it's all available whenever we just make a decision to return home to Him. Amen? You and I, we can be forgiven of anything we've ever done, no matter how terrible, no matter how horrible or unforgiving we think it might be, we can all return home to God's open arms. So with that in mind, let's, let's begin to look at how we all find God's forgiveness, this ultimate forgiveness. The first thing we have to do is we have to recognize our need for God. No one is ever going to ask God for forgiveness if they don't first recognize they have a need for it, right? So let's do a little pop quiz this morning. By a show of hands, how many are you are familiar with the phrase or term, the prodigal son? Look at that, every hand. People who know nothing of the Bible have heard this phrase, the prodigal son. So the next question is obviously, what does it mean to be a prodigal? You can take a survey all day long and you'll get a lot of answers that are all what I would say very close. Someone might say, well, that's a prodigal is someone who runs away from home. The next guy might say, well, a prodigal, that's someone who turns their back on their family. Someone might say it's someone who turns their back on their faith and their back on God. Someone might say, oh, that's someone who goes out and squanders all their money. Here's Webster's definition of a prodigal, a person who leaves home and behaves recklessly, but later makes a repentant return. These are all pretty close, right? All of those uh, are pretty good definitions, but I think there is a more complete definition of this word prodigal. A prodigal is someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way. In other words, a prodigal is someone who says no to the thing that's best for them and says yes to something that's worse for them. Aren't you glad none of us have ever been that goofy? You want me to just go on? Okay, okay. So even though the prodigal, he's got all this money to blow, he eventually finds out 
He wasn't able to recreate this best life that he thought he was going to have or that he even had before. Couldn't make it happen. So he returns back and he is able to receive all of the best that he had left behind. So that's the true definition of a prodigal. Someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life, but decides to return and receives back the better way. So anyway, when we, when we last left this kid, he's heading off with his pockets stuffed with cash. He's spending money right and left, and pretty soon he runs out. And when he ran out of money, he began to starve. So apparently he sees this help wanted sign plastered up on this pig farmer's fence. And he quickly puts together this very impressive resume. And probably after several gut-wrenching interviews with all the HR people, he's able to land this incredible position. Slopping the hogs. You have to understand that this kid was a Jewish kid. And pigs were the lowest life form on the planet. They were not to be touched, dealt with, and now he's standing in the middle of the pig pen feeding pigs. He is now one step lower than the pig because he's serving them. Having grown up in a town, as I did, that we had this big old pig farm out on the edge of town. And I can tell you, I have never personally fed pigs but I have smelled them from afar. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, every once in a while, I don't know if they're just cleaning out the, the pig pens or what, but I mean, it hit you in the face like you can't believe. And all I can say is that if they smell that terrible from a distance, there's no way I'd want to be standing right in there with them, feeding them. I tell you, if bacon, ham, and sausage, sausage tasted anything like pig smell, we would never eat it with our eggs in the morning. I'm just here to tell you, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. You want sausage? No! Don't put any sausage. But this kid is so hungry, the smell doesn't stop him, does it? As a matter of fact, he's so hungry that the pig slop is starting to look pretty good to him. And the guy suddenly realizes that things have gotten so bad that the pigs are actually eating better than he is. And that brings us to verse 17, where it says, I love this sentence, when he finally came to his senses, he says to himself, at home, even the hired men have enough food to spare, and here I am starving to death. You have to realize today that our lives are completely dependent on whether or not we ever come to our senses. All of a sudden, standing in the middle of this pigsty, of which I will say I am a certain expert of, because growing up, and my mom, she can verify this, she's sitting right back there, my mom all the time would say, you get in there and you clean up that pigsty. Did you or did you not say that? Okay, so... I mean, please notice, it was not a partial pigsty. It was a complete pigsty. Say, this room is a complete pigsty. That's what she would say. Not, not part of a pigsty, not, not a little bit. Complete. So I feel like I know what I'm talking about here this morning. <laughs> so here's this kid standing probably up to his ankles in you-know-what. 
And he comes to the realization he has settled for something much less than the best. I think that this filthy, stinking pigsty represents the allure of sin in our life. The devil tempts us with something that we think is going to be good, but when we go for it, before long we realize we have just stepped into a big pile of processed pig slop. That's the Christian way of putting that. I call it the allure of manure. <laughs> That's what sin is in our life, is it not? It's the allure of manure. That's how it goes a lot of times. God allows us to find ourselves at these points where we realize there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be more to life than what we are experiencing right now. And that's what happens to this prodigal son. Notice what it says. He starts to think about home. I'm telling you, there's a lot of symbolism in this story around that word home. The kid begins to think and ponder on everything that he's lost because he chose to leave his father, and he finally decides that going back to his father is going to be the best thing. That lesson applies to all of us, doesn't it? When we turn our backs on God, it's imperative that we come to realize our need to return to the Father and ask forgiveness. We have to go home. Chances are very good that there's somebody here today or somebody watching us online that has recently been thinking something like that. There's, there's got to be more to life than what I'm going through right now. There has to be a better life. Something inside of you has this desire to get the slate kind of wiped clean and start over. You took action and you're joining us today because you're searching. Maybe you don't even realize it, but you're searching. But before you ever made a decision to come and join us today, God took the first step toward you. And we remembered and celebrated that about 15 minutes ago. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross, a horrible death, so that all of us could come home. That's what it was all about. The truth is, we're all very much like E.T. We all have this intense internal desire to go home. Right? Those of you under 20, you don't even know what that picture is. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we come to realize that we absolutely need God, we also come to realize that he has already done everything necessary for us to come home to him. So the first step in finding forgiveness, recognize our need for God. Here's the second step. We have to return home to God. Hopefully, one of the first things you noticed in this story is that the father, he didn't force the son to stay at home, did he? He didn't force him to stay home when he 
made a decision to leave and go do his own thing, even though he absolutely knew this was a horrible idea that was going to end up badly. That's exactly how God treats us. He gives us all the rope we need to hang ourselves. So when things went really badly and the son ends up to his ankles in trouble, <laughs> I know what you were thinking. The father doesn't chase after the boy, insisting that he come home. The decision to return home had to be the son's own idea. He was going to have to make that choice. Our Heavenly Father gives us the freedom to make our own choices. That's the difference between us and most of the angels. We have this free will that God gave us. This free will that gets us in so much trouble. It's absolutely ridiculous sometimes. But free will nonetheless. We can choose to follow God or we can choose to turn our back on God and do our own thing. But He also gives us the freedom to return home. Aren't you thankful for that? But it has to be our choice, right? No one can make that choice for us. The prodigal son finally makes this decision. He says, I will go home to my father and I'm going to say, I've sinned against you in heaven and I don't even really deserve to be called your son. If you just take me on as a hired hand, I'm good with that. Now there's those words again, I will go home. That was, you have to notice that that was the first step that he made was admitting that he had sinned against heaven and his father. That was his first step. And that's all of our first step. We have to admit that we need God's forgiveness. But he realizes that he has the freedom to go home and he also realizes the first thing he needs to admit is that he was wrong to leave in the first place and to ask forgiveness. This is a great short story, isn't it? What an analogy. Our lives are so often a journey just like this prodigal son's was. We were created to be in relationship with God. It's where we should be, and yet sometimes we choose to leave home, don't we? To turn our back on God, and we always end up in this messy pigsty of a life. A life of sin. And, and so while we're here, let's just uh, define exactly what sin is so there's no confusion there. God says to us, this is my will for your life. He says that to each of us. It's what's going to be best for you, and, it, and it's right over here. I, ju I just need you to come over here. But we say, no, God, thanks, but no thanks. I think uh, I know better about how I should probably live my life, and I'm going to do things my way, so I'm just going to be right over here. That's what we do, right? Choosing to do what we want to do rather than choosing what God wants us to do is sin. That's the simple explanation. Sin separates us from God because we have chosen to leave home. He didn't leave, right? Anytime you feel very distant from God, you can just know he never moved. So if you're a long ways away, you're the one that moved. You left home. So the only solution is for us to realize or come to our senses 
that we've made some bad decisions and we need to go home because life with God is going to be a lot better than this life that we chose right over here. It's always better where he wants us, isn't it? So when we get to that point, all we have to do to get back home is admit to God that we made a mistake and sincerely ask him to forgive us. It is that simple. That's the one step you have to make to get back home. You know, the problem that a lot of people have is they think their, their journey back to God is going to be this long, arduous, drawn-out trip when the truth is the journey back to God is always just one single step. Aren't you thankful for that? And the really good news is this. We don't have to be perfect in order to come back home. We still might have some junk in our lives that God's helping us to deal with, right? We, we might still have a little processed pig slop on our feet. But at least now you've got God helping you to get yourself cleaned up. And that makes all the difference. Amen? All we have to do is just take that one short step towards God and just ask Him to forgive us. And here's the, finally, here's the third step to finding God's ultimate forgiveness. Receive that forgiveness through Jesus Christ. You know, a little bit ago, we read John 3.16 that said, whoever believes in Him is going to be saved. The Him in that verse is Jesus, right? The only path back to God is through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. As soon as we ask God, for forgiveness in the name of his son, God considers us sons and daughters of his. That's incredible. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Our heavenly father wants more than anything for us who have strayed to just return to him and acknowledge that he in fact is our father and we are choosing to come home. So let's look again at the end of this story. It says, And while he was still far off, his father saw him coming and ran to his son and slapped him half silly and told him exactly how stupid and arrogant he had been. Oh, I'm sorry. That's how we usually respond to people. I got it mixed up here. It says he ran to his son and embraced and kissed him. What a great welcome home, right? Especially when you're the one that was wrong in the first place. Even though he had been stupid and arrogant, the father was waiting with open arms. It's important for all of us to know that we have to make this decision to return to God. No matter what kind of crazy, stupid, sinful things we've done, you must know God is not mad at you. He's waiting for open arms for you to come back. He wants to show us His love, no matter what we've done. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Because as humans, we're usually not like that, are we? Now, it's true that the prodigal son had to admit to his father that he'd been wrong, but the father was more than willing to accept him back. It's the same way with God and us. If you'll take that one small step and confess your sins, just ask him to forgive you, 
He does all the rest, and he just wipes the slate clean. I love the example in this story of how God wants to treat us if we'll just come to him. The father sees the kid coming, and he tells the servants, he says, quick, bring the best robe in the house, get a family ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, could I cook up the best calf we have because my son was dead but has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Let the party begin. Don't you love how that story ends? Let the party begin. Everybody loves a party, unless you're a pooper. I'll just go on, okay? Maybe your life has just about got you beaten down. You're just thinking, I tell you, I am so ready for a party to begin. The father had all these amazing gifts he wanted to give to his son. And God has a lot of gifts that he wants to give you through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus died on that cross not only to pay the price for our sins, he paid for all of the incredible gifts that God the Father wants to give each of us. And the greatest of those is eternal life. What on earth could possibly top eternal life, right? Nothing. Jesus paid the price for that gift for you and me. I think that God even gives us a great life Right now, we don't have to die before we start receiving blessings from God. Who can attest to that? Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but you can receive blessings from God in the midst of horrible circumstances. His goodness is always there in our life. He immediately gives us this power of his ultimate forgiveness. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is given to us. It's a power that, uh, that's not necessarily meant to bring us riches or fame or any of that stuff, but it's a power to offer this same forgiveness to others that they're going to see God's love through us. It's a power that no one can really explain that we have that we can offer to others. That's what being a Christian is really all about receiving God's forgiveness through Jesus and passing it on to others that they witness this type of God's love for us. When you've got people that have done horrible things to you and you treat them like they've done horrible things, man, you're a lousy witness for God because he's nothing like that. That's just how it is. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. You know, today the choice is yours. You have an op- If you've left home right now, you have an opportunity to go home and receive the greatest gifts you could ever receive. And if you need to make that trip home, you should do it today because I'm telling you, not one of us is guaranteed tomorrow. Not one of us is guaranteed this afternoon. If you need to make that journey, it's only one step and you need to make it now. The good news is it's just that one step long. Admit to God you've made some mistakes and just ask for forgiveness and that's it. It's so easy for God to forgive us of our sins. It's usually much harder for us to forgive us of our sins. And that's why we're going to talk about that a little bit next week.
stand with me this morning and I want us to pray this prayer together and then in a moment we're going to invite our prayer partners to the front and if you have a need, if you'd like someone to agree with you in prayer, we make that available to you. But as we close today, if you have this desire to return to God, you want to take that one small step of having the slate just completely wiped clean, receiving this brand new start, we're going to say a very simple, honest prayer of forgiveness. And if you will pray this prayer and mean it from your heart, God the Father is waiting for you with arms wide open to just bring you back home. Amen? Let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I confess today I've sinned against you. And I ask you today to forgive me of those sins. Come into my heart Help me to grow. Help me to understand you more. Help me to share my faith with others who need your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.